the idea that like if you don't have the habits of like taking care of the environment right now what makes you think that you're going to be taking care of the environment once you get to heaven because like we don't our characters just don't automatically change when we get to heaven right we're going to take our characters with that so i i believe that uh, we should just like uh take care of the environment and be more conscious about like you know stewardship other conversations we've had you like to talk about christian stewardship as well so i'm just going to ask you a bit about that what is christian stewardship awesome so uh christian stewardship is um taking care of like um what god has given us what god has left us in in charge of you know when um god created adam and eve he say that like uh, you're going to take care of everything So I don't see in the Bible God saying, "Oh, you're going to take care of tithes and offerings." You know. <laughs> you know, when we think about stewardship as Christians, we think about, "Oh, God wants us to return um uh, tithe and to, you know, to give offerings." But when I think about stewardship and uh, at least how I see it in the Bible, stewardship is like really taking care of everything that the uh, God has uh, left us uh, in in possession of so that involves like taking care of good care of animals so that that animal compassion aspect uh, taking care of our environment this is a sustainability aspect and um i think the sustainability aspect is even more relevant right now with you know climate change and um even as a way of reaching out to millennials i think this is a bridge that sometimes as a church we don't really think about um in terms of like um you know sometimes we we've managed to create bridges with health you know we do a lot of cooking classes we do a lot of like uh health expos but we have never explored it's only recently you know i think last year when the uh conference had an at day summit in april unfortunately to this year we couldn't do it because of like covid uh that we actually started doing a huge emphasis on a uh, stewardship from a holistic uh, perspective whereby we're thinking about like you know how are we taking care of our environment how are we um really think about everything else around us and the interesting thing why i say that is very relevant right now to reach, reaching out to millennials you know a recent study which was done by um I believe it was the Halsey University. I hope I'm not mixing up details, but they found out that at least um 43% of Canadian uh, Canadians are ready to switch to a plant-based diet. And the reason why they are ready to switch to a plant-based diet is actually not about health, and for most of them it's not about uh, animal compassion, it's actually about sustainability. So uh millennials are more in uh more invested into like, you know, um their carbon footprint how they are taking care of this earth uh you see you know brands which are you know uh showing that they they interested in like you know that uh sustainability aspect or they uh they they care about the environment those brands are like getting more momentum along uh, among millennials and so i i feel like as a church there's like we already had the message a long time ago that like you know we were the original stewards and you're the original like you know advocates of you know taking care of the environment and so i think as a church this is something that we need to spend more time on um uh focusing on one of the 
you know, one of the arguments I, not arguments, but the thought processes I always hear within um, the church, especially among the, the older folk, and this is nothing against them, but I just find this to be consistent among a, a little bit of our older membership is that they're like, oh, Jesus is gonna come soon. There's no need to, you know, take care of the environment. Or, you know, you know what, the you know, talking about the environment and, and stewardship and all these things is associated with the climate change movements, which are associated with the coming in of the Sunday law and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, way back in the day before the Sunday law was in the picture, God just asked us some, something very simple, take care of the environment, I've made you stewards of this earth. And I don't think that has expired just because, you know, the Sunday law is gonna come, that has expired just because Jesus Christ is gonna come. And in fact, I believe that like the reason why it's now even more relevant than it was back in the day is because like God is taking us from a place where originally we're, we're in Eden in a perfect world. And over 6,000 years, we are just been like, you know, destroying this world. We are used to like, you know, destruction, destruction, destruction. And the Lord is like, okay, I'm, a, I'm about to come back now. I'm about to take you to a new world, restart again, everything again. And I want you to now realize that we're going back to Eden. And back in Eden, we were not destroying things. We were like taking care of things. And now I want you to be prepared for the next uh, destination that you're going to. And that involves taking care of things. It doesn't really matter that this world is gonna you know, be destroyed very soon when the Lord comes and he's gonna recreate a new one. But it's the, 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 the idea that like, if you don't have the habits of like taking care of the environment right now, what makes you think that you're going to be taking care of the environment once you get to heaven because like we don't our characters just don't automatically change when we get to heaven right we're going to take our characters with us so i i believe that uh we should just like uh take care of the environment and be more conscious about like you know stewardship for the sake of where we are going because there we won't be like you know in Revelation, it says there's nothing in that city which defiles. So for me, I'm just like, I think of, when I read that text, I'm like, okay, God is saying like, this city is just like a very green city. There's no defilement. There's no like, you know, people trashing the city. So uh, from that perspective, we should be taking care of the environment because of the future which is coming. But even in the in the modern day context, we should just take care of, our, of where we're living. If you knew that you are gonna, you know, sell your house two years from now, are you gonna trash it just because you're not gonna be living in it anymore? Um, and also I think it's a good bridge for being able to connect with millennials and be able to like, hey guys, we know you're passionate about sustainability, but um, actually did you know that God is also passionate about sustainability? God is like crazy about sustainability. He's actually building the most sustainable city. You know, you look at like, you know, the description of the city in uh, in Revelation, uh, I believe it's Revelation 20, 22, 21 or 22, which talks about the golden city when it shall come. I'm I'm like, I, I, I read that, that that chapter, it talks about that city, there is no, um, there's no need for, for, for um, there's no light there because Christ would be the light. And I'm just like, man, that's renewable energy. <laughs> you know, there's no nothing which gets in there which defiles. And then I'm like, man, there'll be no dumpsters. There'll be no like, you know, people just dumping trash anywhere. And it just talks about a lot of things about how that city is going to function. And I see it about being the most ideal, like green city in the world. And I'm like, God is an advocate for sustainability. How come we don't see it even when we're talking about like the world is going to come into an end when you're saying, you know, the city to come is going to be the most sustainable city in the world. Yeah. So um, even for those millennials who 
don't like really care about the sustainability issue or like you said typically the older generation how can we get more christians to care about the environment um i think a a good starting point is um i i was really thinking about this but a good starting point is like you know the event that like the church did um where there was the ed summit day where we we highlight that us as Christians, we actually care about the environment. I think we can even have many events like those within our local church context, whereby, you know, we, we show that we care about the environment. You know, we uh, then we invite our friends to come over and like actually see that like us as Christians, we are not like, um, um, we, we, we do care about the environment because it's interesting, there was a guy, um, I met, he also owned a vegan business at the time, and he was asking me why I, I'm into the vegan, vegan space. And I told him, hey, I got into this after I was, you know, looking at the Bible and realized like God created a plant-based diet as the original diet. And I realized it promotes sustainability in the world. And he told me like, you're the first Christian I've had who like thinks about this in, in this kind of light. A lot of Christians mm-hmm. I've tried to talk about uh, when I try to tell them like, hey, you know what, like, you know, going plant-based or trying to like make the small changes in our life, they, it's, it's part of like a stewardship. They just don't connect the two. They think about stewardship and tithes and offerings, but they are the Christians and I'm not a Christian. And, <laughs> and he was kind of surprised that I was a Christian and I had that view. So I feel like um, we should have a little bit more, a little bit more events, which are just geared towards like sustainability, just like how we have like events on like, you know, health expos, or cooking class demos, we should have like exercise our creativity. And how can we make the world more aware that like, hey, we care about sustainability. And um, actually, and the other thing is people who are in the sustainability movement and climate change movement, they are looking for solutions and they are actually almost to the point of getting de- depressed because they realize that like, if something doesn't happen, this world is just going into, into chaos. It's going to crash. We have the privilege of having inside information from the Bible, which says, hey, God is actually going to redo this. It's going to uh, remake this world. So I feel like we can actually take those conversations and bring hope to those people. Like It's not all doom and, and all these things. They're like, hey, you know what? God actually cares about sustainability and he's actually planning to create a more sustainable future in the world. Um, and you know, a sustainable world in the future. And what right now he's looking for, he's looking for people who want to be in that sustainable future. He's looking for people who uh, uh, are okay with, with the principles of, of, that, of that future world to come. And then we start sharing what are some of the other principles. Then we start getting into sharing the gospel and, and other aspects like that. But I think, uh, I don't know if that's a good answer, but I think we still need to be more creative in creating uh, events which are just like show that God is a fan of sustainability. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I would echo everything that you say and really try and um, expand our definition of Christian stewardship. It means so much more than just tithes and offering like you mentioned earlier. Um, So I have a question for you. it's a bit of a deep, deep one. So just bear with me. I wrote it down. Um, how can we strike a balance of living in the present 
not getting too caught up in last day prophecy theories such as uh like what's going on with COVID-19 and Sunday law and whatsoever. Um, but also be mindful that we don't believe this is our home forever. So like, how do we get that balance? How do we, yeah. 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 That's a very good question. Loaded question. Um, and it's, it's very good in the sense that like, sometimes we, we tend to see people on like oh, ends of the spectrum whereby like people are just like, you know, there's prophetic messages and all this kind of stuff, but they're kind of too, uh, there's a statement by a pastor, who, one of my chaplains in high school, he used to say, don't be too heavenly to be of no earthly good or too earthly of no heavenly good. So you kind of see people on those extremes where they are too earthly that they are of no heavenly good or too heavenly that they're of no earthly good. And um, I think that balance, um, initially starts with uh, a relationship with God. You know, in the Bible, in John 16, uh, verse, um, I can't really, really remember the text, but it talks about when the spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, shall lead you into all truth. And I believe that um, having the spirit of God in our lives uh, keeps us balanced uh, from any of those extremes of uh, either just like to being focused about the end times and neglecting the things which are relevant in this time or being too focused in the things of this time and forgetting that, hey, this, this world is passing. So um, having a devotional life. And um, another thing, I, I know I'm sounding a little bit redundant, is those books by that lady called uh, Ellen White. <laughs> I really find that she makes the gospel relevant and practical and I believe the reason, one of the reasons why God allowed her to like, you know, echo the messages from, from him, uh, how I see it is like, there's a message from God, just like coming through a human instrument. Um, just like the, when God spoke through Daniel, when God spoke through any of the people who wrote the, any of the books in the Bible, the messages are originally from God. So what I see when I read a message is I see God realizing that, hey, the last a piece of uh, literature that was written in, in the scriptures was written like a couple thousand years ago. And um, God knows like the world is, is changing, uh, even though the, the principles in the Bible are, are, are timeless, but the application changes with time. And God realizes that. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give like the last playbook for Christians to like refer to as they, you know, do life just before I come. And I want them to be like super relevant people. I want them to be really cool. I want them to not look like they are from the 1970s when they are sharing the gospel. I want them to be able to connect with the society. And I want them to also keep in mind that like, you know what, there is a world to come. They should not be too caught up in this world. And so when you look at like, you know, that uh, those little, little small little books like you know messages to young people evangelism you know look at books like uh, there are so many topics you know like the Adventist home it kind of teaches you how to run a family kind of teaches you how to um, if you're interested about like um, you know business what are some of the things that you can do as an Adventist which uh, kind of connected with like you know eventually being people to a knowledge of Christ but they're also relevant with, with the things that people are passionate about. Uh, you know, 
Um, so I feel like reading those books can give you so many, so many ideas on how can we be relevant in, in this context. You know, for example, you know, I was telling you about Beyond Meat, right? There's actually a quote which it says just before the end of time, people who are in the world will actually be adopting um, the plant-based diet uh, at an accelerated speed, you know? And uh, eventually for the past, you know, 150 years, we were just like the small little like minority who were like, you know, plant-based and everything, vegetarian. Um, but lately, we have just seen an ex exponential rise in like the world just becoming, you know, that recent statistics saying half of Canadians are willing to, to make the switch. Um, so I, I, I think if we spend a lot more time in those books, they'll also help us to uh, find that balance in a very practical way. And like, how can we be very super relevant to the things which are super relevant in the, in the world that we're living in? How we, can we make like very cool businesses like, you know, worldly people want to engage with, but at the same time, they eventually create avenues to talk about spiritual things. And they don't ha necessarily have to be business. They could be even just like, you know, uh, causes. They could be, you know, just like uh, not-for-profits. They could be whatever it is. I feel like there's a lot of just like opportunity for brainstorming when you, when you read those books. I'm just like mentioning health and business because those are some of the interests I have. But there are a lot of other things like, you know, um, she talks a lot about, you know, uh, teaching. She talks a lot about art. She talks a lot about uh, science, um, and I, I feel like the it's just like endless, like the options of the, the, the things that you can do to be relevant in, in this world, but also keeping um, mind of like the world is going to come come to come to come to a pass. And um, if anything, I would recommend people to just read those books, and like God will show you how you can how you can be relevant in this world and not forget about what's coming in the future, but also be uh, super cool and super connect, uh, super engaging with, with the audience that you're talking to. Yeah, well said. And uh, the verse you were looking for earlier, I looked it up, is uh, John 16, verse 13. And it reads, uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. I believe that, that was the verse you're going for. Exactly, exactly. That's a text. That's a text. And it's, it's amazing. It's very true. Like, honestly, when you're reading, like, you know, those little books, going back and forth between those little books and the Bible, God actually starts to like formulate ideas in your mind and you start to realize like, Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should start this thing. Maybe I should, you know, get this thing going. And you can see how it would be like super relevant to like what's going on in the world. And it's also kind of like creates avenues for, you know, um, the few telling people about what's coming in the future. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, I know we were talking a bit about your business, so let's kind of make it a bit more personal, if you don't mind. Sure, um, sure. What are some challenges that you have in any of your current ministries? So, um, yeah, so I, I'm involved in a little bit of other ministries besides my business. So I'm involved with like our local church. I'm involved with the youth ministries over the, the young adults ministries, uh, really leaving uh, young adults. I'm also involved in another uh, kind of like grassroots uh, ministry for like which is geared towards men uh, it's called uh, we have a podcast called upstander podcast 
and uh, it kind of deals into like some of the issues that men deal with that like are not openly talked about, you know. So, um, and then I'm also involved in another ministry which tries to connect Adventist entrepreneurs and kind of like, you know, share these ideals about how we can use businesses as ministry and how we can use our businesses to connect with like the, the W3s that I mentioned earlier on. So being involved in all these things, then um, involved with my regular business. And as I as you already mentioned, like I, I'm also like working as a nurse just to like help with like the response to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, one of the challenges I just find is just like uh, being able to do everything. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I find I um, it's just it's just a lot of things to do, and um, you as I mentioned, health is about like you know, uh, oh health and success about being holistic. So you don't wanna be such a great high achiever and then end of the day run down your health into the ground or your relationships into the ground. So just being able to balance everything is one of the challenges I find. Um, yeah, I, I personally find it hard to just like stay on top of like everything and manage my health and everything. But it's it's a work in progress that I'm I'm working towards. And um, is there anything else? Another challenge? Um, yeah, that's the that's the biggest challenge. In a, I can say work life balance is one of the biggest challenge I have. I. Uh, Getting that in the right place it, it needs to be is a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a fair um, when 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 I know I know a bit about your life with all that you're balancing. I think that's a fair uh, challenge that you're overcoming or you're you're working on. Unlike um, you know some people that are like, oh, I mean, this is just maybe just me being uh, rude. But sometimes when people talk about work life balance being so difficult i'm just like come on man like you're dealing with two things <laughs> but uh with you i can clearly see how that could be a challenge that uh is uh something that you face but um yeah we'll pray for that that you continue working on that and i know and, and the other thing too is with that work life balance is when you're not um when you're not making sure you're taking care of your health I, I believe there are two aspects of um, when you're running things, right? When you're getting things done, there's the actual projects. And the, the, um, one of my um, mentors put it across as there are two P's of leadership. Um, this is just like a generalization. There's the project and there's the people. So there's like getting things done, you know, you know, moving things, you know, pumping out uh, content, pumping out new features on a, on a, on an app, uh, pumping out, you know, new technology. And then there's the, uh, the people aspect of like, while you're so busy, you want to be able to still be able to connect with the people that you're working with. So um, it's sometimes it's also hard to balance the two to be like, sometimes you can get into building relationships with the people that you're working with. And, you know, Obviously, you want to do that because that's one of the angles, right? Winning those people for Christ, be showing that you're concerned about them and everything. And you can get in one uh, because you only have so much time. If you spend too much time on that, you just like become a people person and you don't get things done. And then when you're all about getting things done, you can get so much into 
wanting to just get things done, but neglecting the relationships of the people that you're working with. So that's one of the other challenges I just faced, like managing like people and projects um, uh, in the context also of, of, uh, of balance. Uh, I find it's a, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, especially when you're so busy to like remember to like ask someone how their weekend was, remember someone's birthday, um, and showing just like really showing that you care that you're not just like all about like what you're trying to achieve, but you you care about their their life. Yeah, I think that's that's really fair. Um, so how about uh, something more like on the intellectual side of things what is what is something you have difficulty believing or um previously had difficulty believing in christianity or adventism or something in general that you just straight out don't agree with (laughs) so there are a couple things um one i usually used to have a hard time getting in into believing um initially when i became a seven-day adventist I really had a hard time with just like, you know, believing Ellen White was inspired and her books. I just thought that was a little bit fishy. That was a little bit cultish. Um, and, you know, almost every other religion out there claims to have their own like prophet. And I was just like, it's all, it's one of those. <laughs> but it's only after I, I started, I gave the books a try and, you can tell like from the podcast I've been raving about her books. <laughs> so that was one thing I used to have a hard time with, but I overcame that by, you know, Christ says, uh, you know, uh, you shall know them by their fruits. So, you know, you need to test, test it, try it out, read it out and see if it makes sense or it doesn't. And then the second thing, which I still struggle with within our community, um, within the Christian faith, uh, specifically the Adventist uh, community is, um, especially i think this is more relevant in, in the states where you see there's um there's white conferences and black conferences and i'm just like guys we're in 2020 why do we have this like it's, it's it really looks bad and it's just like up to now have we not like find ways to resolve this and reconcile this and like you know just have conferences which are just um everyone diversity because when you get to heaven they won't be like a a little cloud for like you know that's the white heaven and that's the black heaven um and then other people be like oh where's the asian heaven (laughs) or where's the you know latino heaven so um i feel like um that's something i really struggle with it's it's a way overdue uh as a church we need to take care of that Okay, how about how about some positives? What are what are some strengths of the Seventh Day Adventist Church? Potluck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nah, I think it's a strength. Honestly, I've uh, through being a Seventh Day Adventist, I've been exposed to um, so many foods. I don't think I would have been exposed to right now um, through just like going to potluck and like people bring things for. So many different countries, uh, so that diversity aspect is really is really amazing. I think the Seventh Day Adventist Church is one of one of the few places where you can just walk into, and you see everyone from all over the world, and you already feel like they're they're your brother without even necessarily having to like build rapport or anything. It's like as soon as you walk in there, you're like oh 
your brother in the faith or sister in the faith, you already feel like they're like a sibling to you. And I think that's pretty amazing that, um, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I think we really need to keep up that, that diversity aspect, uh, really continue to work on making sure that our, our churches are like very uh, conducive for, from, you know, for that multicultural vibe. Um, another thing which I think our churches do really well is to just uh, creating a, a welcoming home for, for students and immigrants. So uh, a lot of times, like, uh, you know, when a student is away from their home, like, our churches really do a great job of making sure, like, hey, they have a potluck, they, like they have lunch on, 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 on a Sabbath afternoon, which uh, meant a lot to me when I was a student away from home. I always felt like I had a family away from home and always being an, also being an immigrant to Canada. Um, I don't think I would have uh, made it... Um, it would have been as easy to uh, connect with, with the Canadian culture or we just like finding friends. If I wasn't connected to a church, I think it would have taken much, much of a longer time. Uh, I think that, that that really helps with building community. I have a lot of friends of mine who are not Adventists who always told me like they admire like, you know, our community that like, you know, something as simple if you want to get if you want to move from one apartment to another one house to another house you can always tap into your church community a lot of people out there who are secular don't have access to that and even simple things like dating a lot of people don't even they a lot of people go to the bar and drink because they want to date not because they actually want to be in the bar or they actually want to drink but like plus it's just like you dress nice and you show up at a church <laughs> and there's a good chance that you could uh, come across a fine looking lady or you know a fine looking uh, a handsome man so i think those are some of the strengths of the church that like sometimes uh, we can overlook as, as uh, the strengths that we have within the church yeah i would also echo that um the seventh-day adventist uh community is such a small tight-knit community even though it's so big um, but anytime you mention a name, there's always someone's like, oh, I know that person. It's like, wow, how? Um, <laughs> it's always a small world in the admin as well. Yes. Um, so how about besides the whole white and black conference uh, aspect of things, where, what are other things that you think the church needs improving? Sure. I think one of the things that we need improvement on is being able to um, love people we disagree with. Um, and I see this in the context of like, you know, polarizing conversations like um, women's ordination. Um, and sometimes you start to realize that the spirit behind when people are talking, it's like we're, we kind of lose the spirit of love uh, in the process. And I think if we could uh, be able to nature more a spirit where we can actually discuss something that we disagree on and we we still love each other as if like we agree on everything um i find that that's um one of the challenges that we have if someone is like uh, doesn't see eye to eye on a certain aspect with you or on uh things like you know uh, people, you know, they take 
some people tend to like want to have a more conservative um, uh, worship experience, more liberal worship experience. And I find sometimes people end up labeling each other to the extent that like they feel like they're actual enemies. But I, I think like um, one of the strengths that we saw with, uh, with Jesus, he was able to like uh, still love the people who like he really disagreed with. And some of them even invited him to like dinners and he went to those dinners. And I think that's um, one thing I, I just have a problem with when, you know, we uh, sometimes we, we, I've seen sometimes people, you know, abusing pupils who label other people who believe differently than them. And I think we should, um, uh, and sometimes it also shows on like Facebook. You see, like, you know, sometimes when you have a lot of Adventist friends in your Facebook uh, feed, then you see them fighting in, in, in the public. And you're just like, guys, guys, like, you know, show, show each other a little bit of some love because this doesn't look good. It's almost as if you guys are being enemies, but you're, you're brothers, you know, we're family. We might not see things the same way in certain aspects for you. We don't have to be enemies. Yeah, well said. Um, and that ties into my follow-up question. Why do you think people are leaving the church? Oh, <laughs> that's a loaded one. I think that's a, another podcast. <laughs> brief. But, um, yeah, but there are a number of reasons. I think it's, um, it's irresponsible to just give one reason and run with it. There are a number of things, and I don't think I am an expert in it. Um, there have been some studies which have been done. Uh, to highlight some of the reasons. But uh, for me, some of the things that I have found to be the reasons, and I think um, I've kind of experienced them at certain times where I, I was low in my faith and I was like hitting rock bottom in, in my walk with God, is um, the community aspect whereby um, in, in many churches I, I, where I went to, you will meet with people for like, you know, three, four hours on Saturday and that's it that, until the rest of the week. So I find the relationships are very superficial and uh, it doesn't um, result in people feeling like um, they actually have people, the church folk are people they can really trust because for trust to happen, you have to like build relationship. You have to spend a lot of time with people. And so I feel like when, when people are struggling, you know, uh, with sins, uh, and sometimes some, some things that people are struggling with are very intimate, might be sexual sins. Um, and these are people who are like, um, you know, involved in, in, in a lot of church activities, you know, statistics show that even like pastors, like 50% of pastors struggle with pornography. Um, so if someone doesn't spend time with you, they're not going to show up on Sabbath and tell you that, hey, I'm struggling with pornography and I need help. And I, I, I think if we went back to the model back in, in Acts where people were, you know, they were meeting in homes, that they did life together. So the Sabbath was just like the, the culmination of everything that, that they did during the week. They spent more time together. Uh, it creates safe spaces for people to be able to open up to each other in like the struggles they're having in their faith. So uh, some of the times when people 
leave the church, some of the times they, they really had real struggles. They are, you know, trying to walk the walk and they are failing miserably and they don't have a, they can't really open up to some of the things which are very intimate that they're struggling with. And eventually they just give up because they feel like they're being a hypocrite. So I, I think one of the things is just like, we need to like re create real community. And one of the ways we can do this is by having small groups, uh, similar to like when you look in the book of Acts, they had small groups in homes. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I really love our church for is like they do small groups during the week where people really meet in homes, where it's more relaxed, it's less churchy, people can just be like be free and just like discuss what's happening in their lives, share food together, do life together. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons, just like there's no, there are no safe spaces in the church. And when people eventually struggle for a long time with certain things, they eventually just give up. And another aspect that I think is in certain contexts, this is not a, a general umbrella statement, but in certain contexts, um, I think, uh, there might be a watering down of the message that um, the message and, and the methods of uh, expressing that message such that there is no that much of a difference between what they are being offered in the world and what they see in church. But the, the caveat is what's offered in the world is always way better than what's offered in the church. You can compete with the world. So sometimes... I have been in certain churches. Um, I just, for the sake of like making it very, um, not mentioning a lot of, not causing a lot of chaos. I'll just mention, it was a church in the States. So it's not local. <laughs> I've been, I was to a church in the, one of the Adventist church in the States where I kind of felt like it took me back to my days in the club. I used to go clubbing and everything and everything like the worship experience was just like the words were Christian for the whole, you know, um, the expression of the worship experience. It reminded me of the club experience. And when I took, take a look at the club experience, the club experience is like, well done. Like those people are not trying to be, to be church, to like fit both worlds into one. They're like full blown in the world and they do it way better. So if I'm at a point where I'm not really converted and I'm not being given solid as a food, a spiritual food, and I'm noticing the church is trying to be like the world, but the world is better than the church, then I might as well just go into the, into the world full blown. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why people leave the church is because they, uh, they haven't really had an, inter uh, an experience with Christ. They haven't being given an environment where they can meet face to face with Christ and really realize that, wow, I actually need a savior. Like I need a savior. And I feel like when I was in the world at the high school, I was, if I had had a mediocre experience whereby people were trying to be, to match the world, I would have never became a Christian, but it, the Christianity I, I met there was like so light and day different from like the, what was in the world. So I think that's one of the reasons why, pe why people leave the church. Um, and then there's another, another aspect of it is I, I, I think uh, spirituality starts in the home. So if there's not real spirituality, spirituality in the home, when people eventually come to an age whereby they are making their own decisions, they go to university 
or they start their own homes, they eventually just like leave the church because they were just coming to the church for the sake of like their parents. And if there was no spirituality in the home when they get to a certain age, they eventually just leave because they, they never had Christ at all to, to start with. Yeah, I can see all of those being really valid points as to why someone may be leaving the church. And I really like the the way you put that, like when the church tries to mirror the world, but the world is so much better at doing the world than the church is. <laughs> so yeah, very well said. Um, so I'm going to put you a bit on the spot for this final question. You mentioned a few things, but what is your biggest hope for the church? What do you want the church to look like in the future? So I, um, I want the, our churches to be not known as churches, but to be more so known as uh, centers of influence in the community. So I want our churches to start really uh, thinking about church in a way different way. Like uh, churches should not be open on, on just on Sabbath. Churches should be open every day and church is just like one aspect of it. So I want churches to be able to find really fine creative ways of like being centers of influence where they're really connecting with the community uh, on, a seven, on an everyday basis, seven days of the week. And the seven days is a culmination of like all that work that we're doing. So for example, you look at other churches which are like um, trying to incorporate that in, in, into, their, into their fabric, you know, like, um, you know, um, for example, my, my church, Really Living Center, it's actually called Really Living Center. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church is within the center. And uh, on the center, they have, uh, you know, they're connecting with the community, you know, having like, you know, um, children's pro programs happening. They have like, you know, boot camps, have fitness boot camps happening. They have cooking class ha happening. They have uh, uh, free oil changes happening. They have all these things which are not really necessarily traditional evangelism. And I think uh, we, we should become like magnets in the community, the, the center of influence where all the activities are happening. You know, there's that quote in a, a book called uh, The Ministry of Healing, which says uh, Christ mingled with, uh, with people as one who desired their good. He first like uh, um, ministered to their needs and then he won their confidence and then eventually bathe them follow me and so when you look at that pro there's that whole process whereby like you're first like looking at what are the needs of the people and then you're meeting those needs and then you're like you're really desiring those people's good you're not um you're not just like concerned about like you know i just want to tell you what i have to tell you but you're really looking about okay how can i make your life good and then you come to the point of winning their confidence and it only after you win their confidence, then you can start by calling them like to follow Christ. So I, I, I think uh, the vision I, I see for our churches is like every church should be find a way of being open seven days a week. Some way they can be connected with the community. It can be something as, as simple as a thrift store. A church can open a thrift store that they mingle with people throughout the whole week. And then they use those relationships to eventually, um, connect with people on the invite people to come to church on Saturday. It could be a church can have a restaurant that's in the city of vegan restaurant. It could be a church can have a, a gym, a rock climbing wall. And um, I envision I was seeing all the churches in, in, 
in the world being like that, being like really connected with like uh, connecting with the city and not just being these buildings which are like um, outdated and no more relevant to regular life. That's a big vision, Thomas, but I, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas, so much for uh, your time and being on for being on this episode of Savvy Sit Down. Uh, before I let you go, do you have any uh, plug-in shout-outs or Goodreads that you would like to recommend? Sure. Um, starting with Goodreads, I wanted to. I would love people to um, read a few books. Actually, I have a long list, but so a good way <laughs> to access that list. Um, my personal blog is thomaskambazi.com. Uh, I have a reading list over there. It's one of the blog um, entries on the on the landing page of some good reads. Uh, but if you never have a chance to go and take a look at all those good reads at uh, thomaskambazi.com, uh, some of the good reads I recommend people to read, um, a book called The One Thing, um, which just like really helps people to, to focus, to uh, figure out what they should, that, that process of focusing. I also recommend a book uh, which by a guy called Brandon, Brandon Bouchard, which is called High Performance Habits. It kind of like, gives you some of the tools on how you know, to become an A-game person. I, uh, I also have also always been recommending small little books by you know, that lady called Ellen White. Uh, just do your pick uh, which, which book you like the best. And um, I have a, so many other recommendations, but like I would recommend people to just like visit my website, thomaskambazi.com and uh, check out a blog entry I have over there, which have some good, uh, list of some good reads. Yeah, thank you so much, Thomas, once again for your time. I will link towards your website if you're watching on YouTube to the description, as well as a, another plug for uh, uh, the company Thomas's company allgood.shop you can find that at www.allgood.shop and once again that's an online marketplace for products that are vegan plant-based cruelty-free eco-friendly sustainable and ethically sourced thank you Thomas so much for your time thank you so much it was a pleasure to be here thanks a lot